Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Look, I think it's fair to say over the past year and a half, businesses and organizations, they've been waking up at least at an accelerated pace to the inequities that exist within many, many industries. And I think among those industries right now, it's film and TV, which is worth more than $3 billion for the BC economy right now. Look, we've got a new initiative. It's aiming to make that sector better reflect what BC looks like as a whole. And with me to discuss today, it is Prem Gill. She is CEO of Creative BC, whose agency promotes everything from film and TV sector to the music industry to publishing all over the place there. Um, but a lot of great initiatives coming out of that agency. And Prem, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Tyler. Nice to be here. Yeah. Well, look, you have a new initiative. It's called Creative Pathways. You know, it's by no means a first initiative within this industry aimed at improving diversity. But tell me a little bit about what uh, Creative Pathways entails. Yeah, Creative Pathways, we're super excited about it. It's a, an initiative that was really a collaboration between industry and Creative BC. So the Motion Picture Industry Association, the Labor Organization, the Producers Association, individual companies, so many people. And it was led through Creative BC. And really, you know, one of the things we often hear when we're really trying to achieve a more inclusive and equitable workforce is it's really unclear for people on how do you get into the industry. So really together, that's why we built Creative Pathways. And, you know, we believe it's Canada's first localized and comprehensive online hub that is really there for career seekers looking to get into what we call the motion picture industry. So that is everything from people who work on productions to visual effects and animation, uh, you know, all those variety of roles. Because the, the goal is really, I think, shared by, uh, you know, across the board is that we really do want to support distinct equity streams to support people in working and both networking. This is a highly networked industry, I'm sure everybody, uh, many people who live in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland and in BC know somebody who works in film or some company that provides some sort of services to film and television production. And, you know, what we do know is that there isn't a lot of diversity amongst that workforce. And there's opportunity there because we are, we remain very active and robust. So there's a lot of opportunity to really look at both the equity and inclusivity and diversity streams, as well as grow the workforce, which we need to. Yeah, you know, it's, you think about it, for all of my jobs in journalism, it's through networking that I've been able to uh, tap people that I know that have uh, jobs available. And I I think it's very similar within that industry as well. And I, I don't know, just my perspective, and I'm curious about yours, but it's not necessarily conscious on many folks' parts. It's just sometimes these networks can look a little bit monolithic and there is a need to break through and it's just like it can be tough in in these sorts of situations sometimes yes i mean that's what we talk about when we speak to systemic barriers right and and systemic um challenges you know systemic racism whether it's conscious or unconscious the structures exist and they look a certain way and unless i believe there is active participation and actions taken that really won't change and, you know, the networks for a lot of people often are the same type of people, whether it's, you know, social, racial or economic. And I think, you know, more broadly as a society, we are all challenging ourselves as individuals and as organizations on really understanding that and what that means for so many people 
who maybe have never even considered a certain sector or type of job and what those barriers and challenges have been. And for those who work in the industry around advancement. And, um, you know, I really do believe that it is, it's a long play and it's a collective effort to really come together to, to look at that. You know, and the other thing is there is a business case for this. It's not about just, you know, doing things for the sake of it. I, I think about that McKinley study uh, from a few years back that revealed that the more diverse that companies were, the, the more profitable they are, you know, the, the more ideas, more perspectives there, you know, um, how much do you find that, uh, you know, some businesses or organizations just need to be prodded just a little bit and make it understand that there is kind of a valuable business case about diversifying their workforces? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not agree with that, right? Like, I mean, I think there's been many studies over the years. It doesn't mean that things necessarily have changed that much. Part of, you know, the impetus behind Creative Pathways was, yes, to provide the sort of central location to understand what the industry is, but also provide resources to the industry. So as part of it, we also have a section we call the Creative Equity Roadmap which is focused on what we call Jedi resources for the sector, justice, equity, decolonization, diversity, and inclusion. And really it's a collaborative centralized touch point where you can come and people can share fundamentals, common language, baseline resources um, to really help make this transformation. Because a lot of it, I think people don't know where to start. They're like, I, you know, I'm committed to this. I want to understand, um, you know, what does it mean when you talk about, you know, decolonizing an organization? Where do we even start? So part of it was like not just saying we're going to do this, but providing those resources to help people as much as we can and, or at least direct them to places to access things. And then really having really strong, focused workforce um, development programs, which we have, you know, several streams. One of them is called Setwork, which is really designed to help qualified below the line candidates enter into productions. What's called, one is called Meet 10. I hosted one the other day, which is the visual effects and animation industry, which is really helping people to understand, you know, build their network, but also um, come and hear about what it's like to enter the industry or what is it like to, what kind of jobs even exist within, um, uh, you know, visual effects and animation. What does an artist do? What does a, you know, a, a colorist do? All these variety of things. So, you know, a lot of it is, I do believe all these things have to happen in tandem. It's not just about having the policies, but actual actions and programs that can contribute to that shift. And that a lot, that a lot of people understand why the importance of it is. And it's not just the responsibility of Black, Indigenous or racialized people. Well, you know, a, a lot of people might be thinking, okay, we've got this initiative going, but is there a way to kind of track metrics, see how uh, diversity is improving or, or staying stagnant? I, I'm wondering if kind of that data might exist out there, if there's kind of a need to get these metrics going, like uh, studying whether it's government agencies or it, within the industry itself. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent question. I think that, you know, ultimately you're right. Like until you have the data and the numbers, you don't always know what kind of shifts you're making. And certainly there's numbers that we can track as an organization um, from the other side of what Creative BC does is, you know, funding programs and grant programs. Um, but really, again, kind of working with the industry, because, again, these are, you know, private companies. 
Um, they're not required to share this type of information publicly, but how can we really aggregate that and understand the shifts that are happening? So that's a work in progress and um, hopefully come to a place where there can be a centralized way to really understand what's happening. What is the story? Because I think to your earlier point, like this is good for everybody. And I think this is where um, we often get stuck as a society that, um, you know, what, what does this look like for that it's singling out one community and therefore taking from another that that's not always necessarily the intention it really is looking at you know we know we have challenges as uh uh you know in a, in a global sense around these things and how can we with this sector really work to be part of that shift you mentioned the global challenges. Do you think it helps that, you know, as Canada has had uh, um, more of an awakening about a lot of the inequities uh, that, that exist here just over the last few years, the, the sector, it also relies quite a bit on, say, the United States, a lot of those foreign um, productions coming here. Do you think that maybe Canada and U.S. are, are somewhat on parallel tracks with kind of this more of an awakening for the kind of the need for uh, diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's funny when you talk about awakening, the awakening is more on a broader scale. I think there's a lot of people in both countries who've been doing a lot of work mm -hmm. in this area for many years. Um, it just didn't have the profile necessary, maybe that it does now. But I think we work in collaboration with, you know, companies from, you know, Vancouver to Ontario to Vancouver to Hollywood to Los Angeles. And, you know, this is a very strong objective for many people and many companies and there is a lot of alignment but you know i think there's also going to the need for a lot of uh, of patience because you can't just flip a switch and um because you are and and you know i personally really believe that if you are bringing in um, and really actively proactively pursuing a more diverse you know crew that works on a production that you're also having other support mechanisms in place um, and really nobody wants to be brought in and feel like they're the token and be made to feel like they're the token. So what are we helping with other people who already work in the industry with their understanding of what's going on? So I do think there is a collective desire to see this happen. Um, there's initiatives that are happening in both countries. Um, there's a lot of leadership behind this. So that, um, you know, I don't know if I'm exactly answering your question, Tyler, but I do think that there's... This is not, you know, one country or one company trying to do this. It is really much more broad than that. Yeah, and for sure, I'll even point out, I, I believe some of the uh, contributions for the funding here, it's coming from Warner Media, at least it's it's Canadian branch, but there's kind of, that, that that's a large multinational mm. company, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, really the initial sort of seed support for this came from, you know, also, you know, BC government is a huge supporter of this. They were a big funder of Creative Pathways. But leading up to it, we had the industry associations, the producers associations, individual companies, the labor organizations that, you know, are such a critical part of our labor force here. They all really contributed to funding to Creative BC to be able to go and do the the pre-work to then be able to go to government and say, we'd like to build creative pathways and get that financial support. So, uh, you know, it's no one person or one group. There has to be, and I continue to say this, I know I've said it numerous times even here, but there, everybody has to move along 
together for it to, to, to have really strong long-term systemic shifts and changes that continue to support all kinds of people. And just in terms of competitiveness uh, with, you know, BC versus other jurisdictions, I, I think back to, you know, some things like those green riders, you know, with regards to sustainability, a lot of, um, you know, performers would say, well, you know what, if you want me to jump in this production, it has to be sustainable X, Y, Z. BC is also kind of getting ahead of things as well by ensuring that it can, you know, be as diverse as possible as more and more, uh, say, actors, um, big producers, directors would want to be, attach themselves to such productions. Yeah, I mean, we have, um, you know, such a, from our production community here and, you know, up and coming, what we call, you know, emerging producers, um, there are a lot of people, as we know, we are a multicultural country. There's people from all kinds of backgrounds who have stories to tell. Um, and there are people who want to be actors. There's people who want to be accountants in the film industry. I think this is the thing that, that there's such a broad range of, of roles and, you know, a, definitely an appeal of coming to, you know, Canada and certainly, you know, the lower mainland is that you, we, we do represent, you know, all kinds of perspectives and, and people from, you know, so many heritages that make up our population here. And it'd be great to see more of that reflected across the industry. And I think now, we're working towards that. I think back prior to the pandemic and a lot of the conversations I'd have in industry is just kind of the demand for talent. You know, you'd have all these productions coming in. Maybe you could find some studio space, but were all the numbers of crews available to work on this? And um, just what do you think about the prospects of just being able to shore up a lot of that talent that's needed as the industry uh, continues to bounce back from the pandemic. I mean, I think that's why this is such a great moment for us where we continue to be a popular place for people to come and uh, whether they're foreign service productions from Los Angeles coming here or really the strong base of independent producers who are trying to get their projects going here or, um, you know, documentaries, unscripted shows, there was one announced last week from Lark Productions called Farming Love, I think, which is, you know, going to be a uh, unscripted show based here. Um, you know, they're going to need crews. They're going to need people. So this is a and and we know we don't have enough folks who work in the sector. So why not try to try to encourage more people from, you know, a variety of backgrounds to come in. Um, and enter this industry and, you know, be successful in it and, and know that they have the supports to be who they are as individuals um, in the industry. And, and, you know, the same with, you know, visual effects and animation. There's, you know, anywhere from five to seven to eight thousand people working in that industry that are not just working on projects produced in BC, but doing the, you know, visual effects for Dune, as an example, you know, Academy Award winning Dune, a lot of the talent was right here at double negative DNAG in, in Vancouver that worked on that. Well, Prem, always a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time to just kind of uh, expose our listeners to what's going on with regards to the, uh, the measures being taken here. But I uh, thank you again for joining us on the show. Thanks, Tyler. Always appreciate your interests. 
That is Prem Gill. She is CEO of Creative BC, and that is it for the show today. But if you want to find more interviews, stories, and videos, go to BIV.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on all of your podcatchers. Give us a high rating, and that'll find that'll help other people find the show as well. In the meantime, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.